In the book of Revelation, we're in chapter 2, we're looking at the next church, which is the church at Thyatira, and the reading is from Revelation chapter 2, 18 to the end. Chapter 2 of Revelation, 18 to the end. And we read it through, it's very interesting. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and to beguile my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things offered to idols, sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Therefore, indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. But you, I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, and who have not known the depths of Satan, as they call them, I will put on you no other burden. But hold fast what you have till I come, and he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the potter's vessels that be broken into pieces. As I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Notice in that last verse is what the Spirit says to the churches. Because all the churches had each other's letters too. On one scroll, I presume, all seven letters, and each church had them all. They all read about each other. That may be good or may not be good. How would you write the churches to read all about you, all about me? Well, there we go. Anyway, this is the longest letter, all these verses, 18 to 29, to the very smallest church out of the seven churches. But he had a lot to say to them, of course, as we know. Now that name Thyatira, and if you've got the sheet, you can see what it means. Two thoughts. One is continual sacrifice, and the other one is incense offering. Now, that immediately might make you think of the Roman Catholic Church, or Anglo-Catholic, whatever. Now this, as I say, with all the seven churches, I keep saying this, is typically... Those seven churches were real churches back in the early days. But they also have as a type for churches of all the church age. Ephesus was the church that lost its first love. Smyrna was a suffering persecuted church and so on. And they are all there today. There's a dead church. There's the evangelical lively church. And there's the apostolic church. They're all there. And they're all there today. And they've been there through the centuries. Even apostasy was within about a hundred years of the church beginning. So these are typical and prophetic as well. They relate to all the church age and relates to the Laodicean church which will be here when we've gone.
as an apostate, unbelieving religious organization. So I'll just say that. So this, in a sense, as far as church history and time is concerned, it relates to about five or 600 AD to about 1517 on the cheat here, where Luther nailed his 95 theses to the church at Württemberg, protesting against all the false teaching of the Roman Catholic Church. And he put down that justification is always by faith and not by works. So it leads up to that time. It deals with the growing of the Roman Catholic Church, St. Uh, <coughs> well, Augustine was one big problem. And also Constantine, the emperor, who so-called had this vision of a cross in a battle which he won. He said, oh, that's the Lord doing this for me. He didn't ever get saved, really. And so he said, well, all the Roman Empire will become Christian overnight. Well, impossible. So all these pagan temples, with the priests under his employment, he paid them. Oh, yes, we'll all become Christians. to stay on the emperor's payroll. Well, that's the background. I've shared that before, I know. So this deals with the church that produced continual sacrifice. So when they have the Mass, they sacrifice Jesus over and over again, every time. So this relates to the Roman Catholic period, when they were very strong. There's the, <coughs> there's the power of the Pope, of course, and all the cardinals, and the power of the priests, called priestcraft, which Jesus said he hates. And that was, of course, the Church of the Roman Catholicism. Not really a church at all. And incense offering, well, there's all incense and all the waving of the smoke and so on in the Roman Catholic Church. You know all about that anyway. And the continuous sacrifice when they, in the, uh, what looks like a, a star, and the, they put the wafer in there and that becomes so-called the body of the law, which is rubbish. Continuous sacrifice. They crucify Jesus again and again and again. Now that's a picture of Roman Catholicism in that age. And when Luther and the Reformation came, which is following on this, Sardis, when that came, well, light really came in the Dark Ages. The Roman Catholic Church kept the population in the dark because mm -hmm. of Latin Bible, not in any other language, and the priests had power. That was a big problem. So that's the background of this. Roman Catholicism dominated Christendom in that day, of course, made it tough for any true believers. There were some about, of course, John Wycliffe, he did a great job in the 14th century, was it? <clears throat> so here is, in a sense, looking at these seven churches, there's a picture of the church, seven types of church in all the church age. I mentioned that before, I know. Now this, uh, there is a, a town now in Thyatira, and it's got a population of about 30,000. I'll read some of the background to you. <clears throat> City of Thyatira, <coughs> Lay on the mound, <coughs> on a highway in a valley, the mouth of a long pass. This is important. On invasion it was easily conquered and destroyed, therefore vulnerable to conquerors. The real power was at the big city of Pergamon, where there was a big Roman, um, Roman army. Roman soldiers garrisoned at Pergamon, and fire tower literally was ruled with a rod around from Pergamon by the Roman army. <laughs> So, in other words, the people who lived in Thyatira were the oppression from the Roman Empire. It paid them to be gentle and not obstructive or rebellious. Now, in the city, there was a pagan god called Tyramnus. 
and of the sun god. Now, isn't that interesting? Because in the monstrance of the Roman Catholic celebration of the Mass, it's a picture of the sun, and in the centre is a place where they put the, the wafer, which supposedly become the body of Christ, crucified. And it's surrounded by a sun. It's almost thinking back with the sun god to Ramnus. Interesting, isn't it? So paganism has entered into the Roman Catholic Church and Haiti is well known for its voodoo, as you well know. But the Roman Catholic Church allowed the people to accept voodoo and bring it into the church probably. So they wanted to take up these pagan religions, pagan uh, superstitions, in order to gain control over the people like the island of Haiti. So that's very cunning, isn't it? So it paid to be very gentle and unobtrusive, not to cause any fuss or any worry. And uh, this particular sun god, Tiramnus, is very interesting. It's a picture of a warrior riding to battle with a double-edged battle axe. Now, I used to, well, I still do in a small sense, keep stamps. And on the Italian stamps was a picture of a double-edged sword, double-edged axe, sorry, a double-headed axe. Interesting. Mm. And Roman Catholicism is in Rome. Mm. Italy a symbol on the stamps is a double-edged battle axe. Interesting, maybe. But it's a symbol of smashing military power, which is typical of the Roman army, of course. So it was very appropriate that uh, <coughs> all these people at Thyatira were very gentle and unobtrusive. So the believers and the true believers in this church where the Lord says, look, I've got something to say to you which will encourage you. You're not like the rest. But they kept very quiet with their faith. They were very gentle and unobtrusive people and that related to their faith and witness as well. And how true that is today. Some of us, you know, are sometimes very fearful about our witness. We're not so bold as we ought to be. Mm. They weren't either. Well, that's true enough. So, you can see in the one significant text here what Jesus really relates to them. And if you look in uh, towards the end of the chapter 2, and you say to them, verse 24, But I say to you and to the rest, that means not those who are involved under the control of this woman Jezebel, I say to you, Although you won't stand up and say much, but I'm telling you, I want it all. I know your faith. I know your works. I know your faithfulness to me. And you've been oppressed by this false prophetess, so-called Jezebel. He said, I know all about it. He said, no. He says, you hold fast till I come. It's in verse 25. (coughs) But hold fast what you have, your salvation, your witness, your understanding of the law, your security. You hold fast there. Don't give in with the oppression of this evil woman dominating the church in Thyatira. You hold fast what you have till I come. Well, that in a spiritual sense could be when the Lord comes again or when I come to judge this church. That could be it too. So there is something significant. You hang on, he said. You'll be strong. Now these... Seven churches divided into two parts. There's the first three, which really knew hard times. But when it comes to fire tower onwards, is when things really went apostate onwards, except the Church of Philadelphia. 
which stood out as an evangelical gospel preaching church. But when you come to Pergamum, Thyatira, and the dead church Saudis, and then, and then Laodicea, that's when things were really bad. Now that's where we are today. We're in the Laodicean age, overlapping with the Philadelphia church age, which is the evangelizing evangelical church. We overlap. And there is an overlap in them all anyway. So these seven churches have quite a significant uh, ministry to us. So <coughs> the church before them, what was that? church before them was Pergamum. The church before that was the persecuted church Smyrna. But these Christians at Thyatira, they didn't want to be persecuted. They kept quiet. Well, so do we sometimes. So this particular church itself, knowing the influence of outside Tyrannus false god and the paganism on the outside, there's also the evil on the inside. And that's true today as well. It isn't just opposition and persecution. We're over 200 million Christians being persecuted today for their faith. All around the world, mainly the Far East, some in the Middle East. But this church now, when you have, say, the church at Smyrna, the persecuted church, now you've got a respectable church. A church of being well-dressed, in fine array, alluring and attractive. And it was seductive and it was destructive because it tried to destroy the real faith of the few who were in it. It tried to swamp them. And they were gentle people. They didn't really stand up as they perhaps should have done. So, just look at this uh, early part of the chapter where the Lord speaks about this evil woman Jezebel. Look in verse 20. (coughs) Verse 20. (coughs) Nevertheless, he said, I know your works, I know you love you few, there are faithful, I know all about you, he said. But, nevertheless, I have a few things against you, a whole church. Because you allow that woman Jezebel, you allow it. You gentle Christians, you don't stand up and protest and go against this woman. She calls herself a prophetess, verse 20, to teach and beguile craftiness. My servants, my true believers, to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. That's pretty terrible, isn't it? Imagine that. Imagine that in the church today, where you get someone, in this case it's a woman, of course, coming along and trying to seduce true believers to do evil. Even within the church. Practicing immorality in the, in the church. This was this type of woman. Yeah. Of course, don't you think about Jezebel of the Old Testament, the wife of King Ahab, who brought in the immorality of the Baal religion from Lebanon, Tyre. There's a parallel, we see, between the wickedness of that woman, who completely swamped the northern ten tribes of Israel with this Baal worship, which is thoroughly corrupt. It was a like a magic ritual religion. They encouraged the <coughs> establishing of pagan temples, and uh, if you check up on Baal somewhere else, you'll find that there's the Asherah, the female goddess, and we get the word Astarte, Tart, coming from it. Yeah? When you call a woman a Tart, that's where it comes from. Astarte, Asherah. That woman's a real Tart. Of she's immoral. And that was it. And the, the paganizing and the corrupting 
of ten tribes in northern Israel. And she swamped it all with a bare religion. They built their pagan temples, they had sacred prostitutes they could go to. And because of the, the intimacy between the people, the men, and the female, might be male prostitutes as well, I don't know, but the female ones, and that <coughs> immorality brought the Lord's anger. But what they did was like a magic fertility rite. When they had intimacy with these prostitutes, it encouraged the fertility to the soil. So the more we have immorality with these sacred prostitutes, the better the fertility of the earth. They related to the fertility in the, in the pagan temple with the fertility of the earth. So corrupt. Isn't that just like the New Age movement today? Yeah. And the Green Party, I'm sorry about it, but there it is. Earth, the worship of the goddess of the earth. Mm. Interesting, mm. isn't it? Mm. It's just their religion and another guy's. Oh, that's just by the way. So, here's the, this woman corrupting from within. Now, isn't this a picture of the leaven corrupting the whole loaf? Mm -hmm. Would you go back with me to Matthew's Gospel, please? Go back to Matthew. Chapter 13 is the parables, you know them. The parables of the kingdom. Matthew 13 is the parable of the leaven we want. Matthew 13, and we want verse 33. Verse 33. It's only one verse. Matthew 13 and verse 33. Another parable Jesus spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leaven. All leaven in the Bible is not a picture of the growth of the church. That's a completely false teaching in the church today. Leaven in the Bible is a picture of evil and corruption. False religion? Well, it can be associated with it, yes. But certainly evil, corrupting influence like Jezebel here. Mm. So there was within the church the corrupting influence till the whole thing could be corrupted throughout. That's what Rod really was angry with this church. Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I think it is. 1 Corinthians. One Corinthians chapter five. <clears throat> it's the beginning of the chapter. One Corinthians five. <coughs> now there was this corrupting influence which Paul, the apostle, called leaven in the church at Corinth. Now, it was a pretty difficult church that Paul could deal with. Verse one, we read through. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. You could almost call them a Thyatira. <coughs> this is Corinth. And such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles. My, that must have been bad. Mm. That a man has his father's wife, well, actually is his stepmother. And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. They should have thrust him out until he repented. For I indeed is absent in the body but present <coughs> in spirit already judged. As though I were present concerning him who has done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. 
Your glory is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore purge out the old leaven. Verse 7. That you may be a new lump. Since you are truly unleavened. With a picture of holiness. For indeed Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Now what this church did eventually. They did cast him out. They took Paul's word. But in the end this man repented. And in the second Corinthians. Paul addresses that and said, well, well done. This man is repenting, you receive him back in, which they did into the fellowship. If a man repents, receive him back. That's true. Well, so, leaven, you see, is a picture of corruption, in this case, immorality. So that's what's here. Now, it's very interesting that, <coughs> as far as Thyatira is concerned, you remember Lydia, the seller of purple, how she was saved very quietly, the Lord opened up her heart, Acts 16, and she came from Thyatira. And it's very, Paul didn't stop this church. It's very likely her witness brought salvation to people. And that's probably how the church started. We don't know, we can't prove, but it's interesting. A woman was used by the Lord to start the church, and the devil used the woman to destroy it. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Yes. So this woman, Jezebel, oh dear, what a person she was. She took wrong authority. She was called a false prophetess. Certainly was. She appointed herself in leadership. That's a problem, isn't it? Look at verse 20 of this. Back to Revelation again. She calls herself a prophetess to teach and beguile my servants to commit sexuality and so on. She calls herself a prophet, self-appointed, you see. I've got a message from God, you better get it from me. Well, there's a lot of that around today as well. Mm. No way. So, unfortunately, you see, this, she was a seductress. Or, in other words, a sorceress. Now, the reason why I said that, I'd like you to go back to Ezekiel. Go back to Ezekiel, chapter 13. Ezekiel 13. <coughs> Ezekiel chapter 13 <coughs> excuse me I look at verse 17 onwards of Ezekiel 13 this is what Ezekiel understood and saw from the Lord read from verse 17 this is about a woman too who is a sorceress look at what she did and what her character is Ezekiel 13 from verse 17. Likewise, son of man, this is the Lord speaking to Ezekiel, set your face against the daughters of your people who prophesy out of their own heart, prophesy against them. It's just like Jezebel, Old Testament, Thyatira Jezebel. And say, thus says the Lord, Lord God, woe to the woman who sew magic charms on their sleeves and make veils for the heads of people of every height to hunt souls. I'm reading the New King's, New King James, hunt souls. That's what Jezebel did. Will you hunt the souls of my people and keep yourselves alive? Will you profane me among my people for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread killing people 
who should not die, and in keeping people alive who should not live, by your lying to my people who listen to lies. Therefore thus says the Lord God, verse 20, Behold, I am against you and your magic charms by which you hunt souls. They are like birds. I will tear them from your arms and let the souls go. The souls you hunt like birds. I will also tear off your veils and deliver my people out of your hand and they shall no longer be a prey in your hand. Then you shall know that I am the Lord because of lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad just like Thyatira, whom I have not made sad. And you have strengthened the hands of the wicked, so that he does not turn from his wicked way to save his life. Therefore shall no longer envision futility, and nor practice divination. For I will deliver my people out of your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Yes, and Jezebel would do too. This is a picture just like Jezebel. Somehow, this particular woman was a sorceress who, in her evil ways, satanic ways, just had control over the people's mind, mind control. Magic divinations. I lived in Chester between 1970 and 72. Chester is an old Roman city where the old Roman name was Diva. There's a lot of wickedness there in the background to Rome and Roman control. And I spoke on this to a house group on Ezekiel 13. I felt it was right to do so. It's just as if the old Roman city of Diva still held control. It was a dark city, a very dark city. When I taught in it for two years, I'm glad to get out, mm-hmm. move further north. But that's just by the way. But it's just, it is still, this is what it is. So, today, this, as we look at it, We've got the same sort of corruption within churchianity or Christianity, whatever you like to call it. That's all around us today. Falsehood. And, well, I'm not against a woman as a Christian, but there's, a woman is not called to teach. She has no authority to Amen. teach. Yeah. You know, it's plain enough in the New Testament. Anyway, I won't go into that now, but I'm sure you all agree with that. But here's this woman usurping authority over the men because they're gentle and quiet. I wouldn't say boo to a goose. And the Lord knows it all. But Jezebel, well, she opened the door to to disaster. Today I'm afraid there are lots of very large churches, mainly in America, but some over here, who are completely misled by false teaching. Why? They don't know the word enough to spot it. That's a big problem today. Know the word, and you know the falsehood. Yeah? Sure you know that's true. So these Christians, they're faced with false teaching and false thinking and they're too quiet to do anything about it. So in other words, the problem is that the world has got its own ways into the church today instead of the church getting the message of the gospel into the world enough. Mm. The world's got into the church. The systems of religion, the false religions got into the church. Systems of the world's got into the church. I nearly brought a paper that some of the cathedrals in our country are open up almost to uh, fairs. Mm. You know about that? Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. in the cathedrals, Blackburn and elsewhere, 
Mm. Open them up. Well, this one we're getting the people in. That's not the point. You don't get them in for salvation, though, do you? Mm. You get them in to be entertained. So that's another problem, isn't it? So she taught a form of Christianity mixed with paganism. And that's a big problem in the Roman Catholic Church. I just use that as an example. Any false teaching. You're involving religious superstitions with truth. Maybe a little bit of truth. If you have a little bit of truth, you can deceive. If it's total lies, you don't deceive anybody. A little bit of truth, you see. That's the problem. A little bit of truth. A lot of rubbish. So Jezebel opened the door to disaster for this church. And the Lord had a lot to say about it. And uh, falsehood was all round and all clear. Um, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5, they have an appearance of godliness, but deny the power. Mm-hmm. Or they can all dress up, you see, and go yeah. through a, a religious uh, uh, order of a service. Mm. I'm not against the, uh, the church. I'm not just uh, arguing against the church and the many godly people in it. But you go through a system. You see, the church began in a simple way. Mm. They met in homes. They didn't have big ornamental buildings. They didn't have established priesthood and all the dressing up. They didn't have altars and things like that. I don't think the church has got far from their own from the Old Testament pattern of the temple. Actually, it looks very similar. Mm. Altar up there and the people down there. That's priestcraft. The Lord says, "I hate it." Mm. It comes. Uh, we looked at this last time. Nicolaitans. Two words. Nico means you conquer. Laos the people. You conquer the people. Jezebel conquered the people. Mm. Priestcraft conquers the people. Especially when they had the, all the Bible in Latin so all the people couldn't read it in English or their own language. So they dominated the people because you. you and I don't have, well, we have the language in many languages. The Bible in many languages today. Not then. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord for men like John Wycliffe, Martin yeah. Luther and all the others Praise and the translators and Tindo. What a difference they made as well. That's just by the way. <coughs> so blind tolerance of falsehood through the weakness of the Christians is a sin for the believer. Mm-hmm. We don't stand up as a sin against the Lord. We've got to stand up for truth. Here we stand. Luther said, here I stand and I will not move. And he nailed his 95 thesis to the door in the Wittenberg church. And he was hounded by the Roman Catholic Church for doing so. Mm-hmm. He stood up. He was firm. It has to be the same today. You're gradually being swamped by the world into the church and all the horrible teaching that comes in. LGBT, you know what I mean by all that. Getting into the church. Weakening the church. Jezebel weakened the church by her falsehood, by her immorality, destruction. So, there was this growing evil within what could be called the church in the inverted commas growing evil is that not true today you see it tempted Christians to compromise these are very gentle Christians they are tempted to compromise <coughs> and that was a big problem you see today one thing that is gradually I won't say gradually either maybe it's quickly being eroded that is the teaching on absolutes mm. absolute truth mm is rejected oh you can't say that I'm sorry God did we have absolute truth here and we stand on absolute truth 
the laws of our country originally were absolute. You obeyed the law. Today, the law isn't having its power at all anymore. Mm. And I think it was Habakkuk who said, evil overtakes what is evil, they call good, and what they call good is evil. Mm. Mm. The laws are being whittled down. Mm. No absolutes anymore. Compromise is the issue. Mm. That's unfortunate. But that was the church here. So the church could no longer take a lead because it had no power. They just had this coupling influence within. And the problem is today, even in what we might call liberal Christendom, you get the mixture of philosophy and religion. Absolutely weak and useless. Doesn't anybody any good at all. In Germany, there's another big problem, but at the end of the 19th century, there were two men, Debelius and Boatman. And the way they interpreted the parables in particular, they, they spiritualized and allegorized them, so they took them out all out of proportion and weakened it so they lacked authority. Mm. And that's infiltrated. Liberal theology infiltrated the church in our country as well as the rest of Europe because of these two men. They corrupted the scriptures. The leaven was there. And it's all around us today. Mm. So you see... The Lord Jesus, looking uh, back to uh, Revelation again, please, and look in chapter 2 and see what the Lord Jesus says. Look about him. Look at the description. There's always a description of the Lord to all these seven churches. Verse 18, second part. Back to Revelation 2, 18. These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, I see through everything. And his feet like a fine, fine brass. Brass is a mixture of, of uh, a couple of metals and heated in the furnace. Jesus has been heated in the furnace of affliction at the cross. And he says, I did that for all of you. And to some in the church, they couldn't care less. Mm. Mm. Today, even the fact of Christ's sacrificial love at great cost is sometimes ignored. There's no gospel in the blood of Christ. I mentioned before when I was teaching in Hampshire, <clears throat> man in charge of RE in Hampshire education was a Methodist minister. And he came to see him in my first year of teaching. And he wanted to see the syllabus that I'd written out. And I said, but I bring the gospel into my classes to the children. I tell them about the cross of Jesus and the shepherd. Don't give me any of that blood theology, he said. You can't have any salvation without the blood of Christ but that's liberal you see liberalism and that came against me in my teaching I wouldn't budge I wouldn't change so that's another thing so there are a few faithful believers in this church you can see that in verse 19 there were just a few there that held on I know your works your love your service your faith and your patience you had to put up with all this nonsense but as for your works, the last are more than the first. That was some commendation. You're doing better than you started at the beginning. How opposite from the church at Ephesus. They started well and then they dampened right off like a squib. Blown out. Lost their first love. Here are these Christians. A few of them were there. A remnant stood firm. Even though they were gentle and quiet, they stood firm when it comes for the Lord. Yes, he is the son of God. We're not interested in this Son God S U N. We're interested in the Son of God S O N. 
There's a difference. Tyrannus was a sun god. Jesus is a son of God, the Almighty. And you could see it right through Isaac of Flame of Fire and all his authority. You could see it right through all the sham. And you can still do that today, you know. He sees right through all the sham. Well, let's uh, move on a bit further. Time is going against us. <clears throat> At the end of chapter 2, there are some very wonderful statements. He says to encourage these dear people. He's going to bring judgment and take these people into tribulation times unless they repent, and they didn't. And the Lord says, I'll bring death to you in verse 23. I give to each one according to your works, and you saw it all. Eyes like a flame of fire. But to you, I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as you do not have this doctrine, you few, you minority, you've not known the depth of Satan like the others have. You've stood firm, even they're quiet in general. So, look, I'm not going to put you on any other burden. You've got enough to put up with already with this woman. But he said, You hold fast right there till I come, whatever that may mean. Till I come to judge the church or referring to a second coming. Which is true for today as well. He who overcomes and keeps my works, verse 26, until the end, <coughs> perseverance is the key word there. <coughs> Hold fast, overcome, do my works, serve me, witness until the end. To him I will give the power over the nations. That's the millennium. Look what he says. He shall rule them with the rod of iron, that's the Lord. He's quoting the song. As the part of the vessel he shall be broken to pieces. And he could well break this church too, Thyatira. I don't know. There's no church there today. I don't know when it was completely destroyed. I don't know. But here he says, He shall rule them as a part of the vessel. And we're going to rule with Christ and reign with Christ as well. Revelation 5. Look at Revelation 5. Look over a page. Revelation 5. <coughs> Nine and uh, where are we? Verse ten. Revelation five and verse ten. Look at that. It's encouragement to them and to you and me. He has made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth with him. He's going to reign with a rod of iron for those who might oppose him, because there are people born in the millennium who might. And he says there, "You're going to reign with me. If you honour me, I will honour you." That's always true today. And I will give him the morning star. Now that's very interesting. I will give him the morning star. That's in verse 28. Jesus himself is a morning star. But this morning star apparently was a decoration for bravery. Standing up. Standing firm. Of course, military in a sense as well. The Romans gave this award to their soldiers for bravery on the field. But Jesus is the morning star. Look what he went through to overcome as well. It is also called the day spring or the branch of the Lord. Go back to Luke's Gospel with me. Chapter 1, long chapter. Luke chapter 1. Come towards an end, time's getting on. Luke chapter 1 and verse 78. 
This is the prophecy of Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. A lot of verses here. He's not only referring to John the Baptist, referring to the Messiah, Jesus. Verse 78, chapter 1, Luke 78, verse 78. Through the tender mercy of our God, by which the day spring from on high has visited us. Well, of course, that's Jesus. He's the day spring. He's the day spring. It's very interesting what that word is. It's uh, a word, Anatole, or in the Hebrew, this is Greek, in the Hebrew it's Zemach, and it means a branch, the branch of the Lord, Jesus. It mentions in Zechariah and other places that he's the branch of the Lord. In Zechariah, I think it's Jeremiah, he's the branch. I won't go into the meaning of that now, but he is the branch. He is the day spring. He is the morning star. He is the light of the world, and he's the true vine. Go back while we're in the Old Testament, uh, go back into the Old Testament to Genesis, right at the end of chapter 49 of Genesis. <coughs> chapter 49 of Genesis. These are the prophetic words of Jacob for his sons before he dies. Genesis 49 and <coughs> verse 10. Genesis 49 and verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, because Judah, in a sense, uh, David was born of Judah in Bethlehem, so was Jesus. Nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh, who is another name for Messiah, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. He has the rule. Psalm 2 also goes into that. He's coming back to rule. And he'll rule with the rod of iron, even in the millennium. I mean, we shan't have trouble with that. But he's the dayspring, he's the branch, he's the light of the world, and he is the true vine, and he's Shiloh here, and he's going to rule. A lawgiver from between his feet, he's going to be the one who keeps rule and brings in the law of the Lord. He is Shiloh, and to him shall be the obedience of the people be. He will gain obedience. In the millennium. <coughs> right, just to finish off. You see, one who's got a scepter is one who's come to rule. He's going to have dominion. He's coming back to rule. One day, of course, you know, Israel is going to pass under the rod of God, according to Ezekiel. And uh, a remnant will be saved. This woman Jezebel, of the Old Testament, led the people into Baal worship. Corrupted their living. It was grossly immoral. It was adultery and so on. We'll go into that now. And uh, in the New Testament, let's look at, just spend two or three minutes looking at these odd scriptures. I'll cut things out quite a bit. Go to First Timothy, would you? First Timothy. First Timothy, chapter two, and look at verse twelve. This is why I mentioned just now. A woman doesn't have any right to be a teacher in the church. <coughs> First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. Adam was formed first, then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman was being deceived. I didn't transgress, so on. 
In other words, the woman had no right to be in a teaching position of leadership, but the people were so gentle, they allowed it. Mm. Unfortunately, things went wrong, didn't they? Started off in Genesis chapter 3, didn't it, really? Yeah, that's right, you've got it there. Mm. Yeah. So, just before Revelation, there's the letters of John, just to conclude. Go to 1 John. Now here John exposes false teaching. He also exposes the coming Antichrist as well. First letter of John, chapter 2, and look at verse 19. He's speaking of a number of people who were in the church, but they were exposed, and they were forced to leave. First John, chapter 2, 19. John is always defending the truth. Mm. He says, oh, let's read verse 18 for context. Verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour. As you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists, plural, come by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out. These are the false ones. Mm. They went out from us, but they were not of us. Mm. Certainly Jezebel wasn't. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Mm. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Mm. There was a separation of those who are false, you see. Go to chapter 4, while we're there. Chapter 4. And look at verse 1. This is what John is always saying about Gnosticism. It's part of his letter of teaching. Chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know that the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now ready in the world. But you are of God and little children, verse 4. There's a difference, you see. Eventually there are those in Christendom, when we get to Laodicea, the Lord will spew them out of his mouth. You're not mine. My children are mine. My redeemed are mine. But you aren't. You may be religious, you may be cloaked up in fine clothes, you might go through the ceremony of religious traditions, you might go through it, but you don't meet me. Mm. You go through religious observations, you don't meet me. Mm. And I don't meet you. Mm. Because you're not mine. My sheep know my voice. And I know them. That's a true believer. There's a minority of these in Thyatira. Jezebel had the opportunity to, to repent, but she didn't. The Lord was even gracious and merciful and patient with her, too. <coughs> giving her a chance. But she didn't repent. It's like the Pharaoh, back in Moses' day. He wanted to change his mind, then he didn't hide himself off, and then he refused. And God hardened his heart. Mm. It may be a strange thing, but God does harden people's heart in the end, and he knows when. We don't. We might give many opportunities for people to repent. If they harden their hearts, in the end, God hardens them. Mm. Not for me to say who or when, he might do it. Mm. There's always that danger. This is a church which is around us today. Roman Catholicism, 
is one thing. They put the monsters in the put the wafer into the monsters, this sun. Rays of the sun, you look at it, you see it, called the monsters. And they worship that. It's Christ's body changed from the wafer. Wow. What idolatry? Mm. Our Lord <coughs> hates idolatry and falsehood every way. There may be a few believers in the Roman Catholic Church, I'm sure there are. How they stay there, I don't know. No. But here's a false church, if ever there is one, with priestcraft from the Pope, the Cardinals, the bishops, down to the fathers in their churches. Call God, call no man father, but God. It's all around us today. The Christians have to stand firm for truth and righteousness. Mm. Amen. Have to stand firm. Don't give in. Mm. Be like the faithful remnant in fire tire. Be faithful unto the Lord. Amen. You see the world as a promise of the Lord. I'll give you the morning star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For your bravery to stand for me. You'll do it. Thank you, John.